Word. Uh, we've, been, we've been talking, we've been doing a series last few weeks called Success is Earned. And in this series, we are learning about what it takes to become truly successful. And my goal for you in here this morning, my goal and hopefully your goal, is that you just don't want to go through life you want, to, you want to be successful. You want to become great. You want to accomplish something for the kingdom of God. And when we, we said that the Bible defines success a little differently than the world does. According to the Bible, success is not defined by what we achieve. So you will never truly be a success just by achieving big things, great things. Uh, success is not defined by power, prestige, or titles. Success is not defined by what we acquire, our possessions. Success, according to the Bible, is defined by who we are, uh, by our character. And we've been looking and talking about how successful people live differently than the average person. Their character, their values, their morals separate them from just the average person in society. And we, we've learned that what makes you great is the principles that you live your life by. And we've been, we've been studying the life of Joseph, who is, you know, truly successful man in the Bible. And we've been identifying the character qualities that set him apart from different people. And uh, we, we've, the story is found in Genesis 37 through 50, but there's, this is actually our sixth week. There's so many principles, but we said, first of all, that uh, the principle of faithfulness, that success requires us to be faithful. And just take a moment here. If you can't be faithful in doing something or completing something, then you have no chance of being truly successful. We also said that since life knocks us down, how many of you have been knocked down? We had some examples up here of people being knocked down. But we have to have life stamina, which means we get up the next day, we just keep pushing on and moving on, we don't stay down. We talked about how it's necessary to have God's favor upon our life, how it's necessary to overcome offenses when people offend us. And last week we talked about that successful people, they know who they are. They, they have secured their identity. And we have to have our identity secured in who the Bible says that we are supposed to be. Uh, we cannot let the world identify us. How many know that the world is wanting to mold you putting their stamp of approval on you. Our identity has to come from our relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and today we're going to talk about, you know, all these are key things, but uh, maybe one of the most important things is that successful people, they learn to serve other people. Successful people learn to serve other people. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to be honest with you, this, uh, th th this topic today, uh, it, it's not real fun. But how many know some of the things in the Bible that aren't fun, some of the things in your life that aren't fun, they're necessary? Can I get a better amen? I mean, some of the, some, one lady said, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say. So let, if you go to the Bible, if you go to the dictionary, just to look at what a servant is, here's how, here's how they, they define a servant in a dictionary. A per person who performs duties for others, a devoted and helpful follower or supporter. A person who performs tasks for individuals and the greater good of a team. And um, so basically a servant is one who has the ambition and desire to serve other people 
to put the needs, concerns, and interests of others ahead of their personal ambitions. That's tough to do. That's tough to do. If you do that, you become a servant. If you're able to put other people before you, you know, let's start with our family. Put your spouse before you. Put your children before you. Put God before yourself. When you, if, if you don't do that, if you establish yourself as number one, you're, you're going to live a, a selfish, miserable life. If you're able to put the value on other people above yourself, you have the ability to become a servant. Now let's look at the life of Joseph real quick. The reason that Joseph, how, how does a 17-year-old boy that's sold from Israel, that's sold by his brothers and, and goes into Egypt, how is a slave in a foreign land able to become second in command next to Pharaoh? And I'm going to submit to you that the reason that, that Joseph rose to prominence in Egypt was because he understood what being a servant was. Let, let's, go, let's go through this for a little bit this morning. We see that Joseph was first sold to a man named Potiphar. And uh, so he's, he's on the estate of Potiphar. He's a slave. But Joseph decided, I'm not just going to sit here. I'm not going to fume. I'm not going to fuss. I'm not going to play the victim card. I'm not going to play the what-if card. I'm going to start serving Potiphar. I'm here. I might as well do something. That's a good motto in life. I'm here. I might as well do something beneficial. And so what happened is Joseph started serving Potiphar. He, did, he wasn't just immediately placed in charge of his estate. He started doing little tasks, little chores, little things, and he completed them. And he had a good heart. He had a pure heart. And so Potiphar saw the Spirit of God upon Joseph and saw that when he was given a task, he actually completed it. And he had a good attitude and started giving him more and more. And to the point we, we get to is that Joseph was running all of Potiphar's estate. He was the overseer of his estate. Now we see that uh, Joseph was wrongly uh, convicted or accused of sexual assault of Potiphar's wife. He's thrown in prison. And the next thing, the, the, the story in Genesis, it, it, it moves fast, it fast forward, but Joseph went from being a prisoner to being over all the prisoners. The warden placed him over the prison. Well, how'd that happen? Again, the warden, the warden uh, uh, probably didn't have much to work with. I mean, he's working with a bunch of convicts, right, who none of them had done what they were there for. And uh, all of a sudden, Joseph, he stood out. Why did he, why did he st stand out? I believe he stood out because he began to serve the warden. He began to ask the warden, is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can take care of for you? And he rose to running the prison. And then from the prison, we see that he, he ends up before Pharaoh himself, the most powerful man in the world at that time, because Pharaoh had a dream that no one could interpret. And we, we talked about that. Joseph said, I, I can't interpret your, your dream, but the God I serve can. He will give you the answer you're looking for. But an ama amazing thing happened. Uh, Joseph goes there, and Joseph does not try to promote himself. Self-promotion doesn't work near as good as being a servant. And so he, he, tells, he tells Pharaoh, look, here's, here's the solution to the dream you've had. There's going to be a famine. There's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. What you should do, Pharaoh, you should find a wise and discerning person and put them over the food production of Egypt and have them save one-fifth or 
of everything that comes in during the years during the years of abundance and store it away for the years of uh, of, of famine. And this is what Pharaoh says to him. This is very it's very interesting. Pharaoh's response. Here's what Pharaoh says: Can we find anyone like this young man who has the spirit of God upon his life? See, when we serve. We're imitating our Father in heaven, and we reflect Him. Jesus came to serve, not to be served, and to give His life as a ransom for us. And so, uh, he, by Joseph serving Pharaoh, not promoting himself, the purity of his heart caught the eye of Pharaoh. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3-8. through 8. And this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing the church uh, at Philippi. And he's talking about the character and the servant heart that Jesus possessed when he was on the earth. It says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself. Do, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Let's break that verse down just a minute. It says, first of all, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever done anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Every hand should go up. Every hand should go up. Right? We, we've all been there. We've all made that mistake. But it says this, don't, don't do anything with the intention of self-promotion, self-glorification, or to create an advantage for yourself. Uh, you know, isn't this one of the greatest problems in our, in our society today? That people only do the things that benefit them? I mean, we call it pros or cons. The cons, I get nothing from it. I get no benefit from it, you know? You know, that's the problem. We, we've cre our culture, our society has created this spirit of individualism where it's all about you. You know, do whatever you want as long as you feel good about it. And the Bible says this, that we're saved to serve. That we're saved to serve other people. We're saved to share the gospel with people. That when we come to Christ, that our, our flesh is crucified and we quit thinking about ourselves so much. That's how you know if you're a growing Christian. You don't think about yourself quite as much as you used to. If it all reflects, if it all revolves around you, that's going to be a very difficult thing, uh, you know, for you in life. And then it says, in humility, value others above yourself. So it takes great humility to place others above yourself, to seek and serve the needs of others before yourself. You know, sometimes the, the reason it's a struggle to think about the needs of other people is because we have needs too. What about me? I mean, we have, everyone has needs. And I, th I think something we learned from the life of Joseph is this, is that if he wouldn't have chosen to become a servant, he was going to be depressed. He was going to be, you know, depressed, discouraged, 
you know, needing medication. When you serve people and start serving, you don't have time to think about how bad your situation is as much. And if you serve others, God will send someone to help serve you. You, you sow, you reap what you sow. And so again, if, if it's all about us and our attitude and what benefits me, we're, we're going to be on our own. We're going to be in trouble. When we start serving other people and helping other people, there's going to be someone to help us and serve us when we have a time of need. Zig Ziglar, the late Zig Ziglar, he said this, you will get all you want in life if you help enough people get what they want. That's a pretty great quote, huh? And you, you may not have known that, but that's, a, that's actually a biblical quote, that you can, get, if you can get anything you want in life if you help enough other people, help them get what they want in life. Uh, Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6, Jesus said this, but seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so what, what, what Jesus says in, in Matthew 6, 20 through 33, the whole chapter is about, you know, don't worry about what you're going to eat and don't worry about what you're going to wear. Basically, don't worry about all the pressures of the material things that you need. Don't think about any of that, but think about serving God in his kingdom, then all these other things will be given to you as well. So what, what, what are all the other things? All the other material things, food, clothing, houses, cars, medical, medical care, all these things, put God first, serve him in his kingdom, and he will supply your physical needs. And then this verse in Philippians says this, that in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So think about, think about all your relationships right now. Your relationships with your parents and your spouse and your friends and your teachers and your bosses and people in the church. And, and, and Paul says, in, in your relationships with, with, with everyone, all of your relationships have the mindset of, of Christ Jesus. And uh, what we see is that Jesus was the epitome of a servant. That Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus, he was doing pretty good in heaven. He's sitting right there with God. He's royalty. Uh, and he's God. And that he chose to leave that and come down. And it says he emptied himself of all of his rights, of all of his power, of all of his... He emptied himself for all of humanity. He emptied himself for us. He chose to leave everything he had so that you and I could have what we never could have without him. It's an incredible story, so... So think about this now in all your relationships that God, God wants you to empty yourself of you and be, be a benefit or a blessing to other people. And I know what you're thinking, well, that, that's, that may not turn out so good for me. I, I, I think it will, but we have to trust that the Bible, that God's word is right. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 through 28, it's a very intriguing story. And let me, let me tell you what's happening before we read this. You know, uh, some of the disciples, their mother comes and asks Jesus, hey, would you let my, my son one sit at your right hand and one at your left hand in your kingdom? And, of course, the other, the other ten disciples, they hear about this and they're mad. 
they're not mad because they asked that. They're mad that they're, they, you sent your mother, bro, you sent your mother to beg Jesus for a place in his kingdom. You're not man enough to do it yourself. But they're really mad because they didn't think of that first. And so he, he's walking with his disciples. The, Jesus is the epitome of a servant. No one else de- demonstrated servanthood as Jesus. And he's been with these people for a couple years now. And they're with him and he hears this conversation of that they're, they're jockeying for who's going to be great in the kingdom. I'm surprised Jesus didn't, didn't turn around and say, you just better hope you get in the kingdom. You know, I mean, and, and, and so he took this scenario to teach them something. And, and really the disciples, all the disciples were displaying was human nature. And what I want to tell you is human nature without God is selfish. Human nature without the influence of the Holy Spirit will allow you to think only about yourself. And so Jesus says this. Jesus called them together. So there's just a small group. He calls them together. And he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So in this passage, Jesus, he's trying to get through to his disciples, and he's like, listen, you're talking about being great. Let me give you the secret ingredient. Let me give you the secret sauce to becoming great. Or we could say this way, let me tell you what the, the number one ingredient is for you to be successful. And it's this, you have to become a servant. You're serving with me, but you haven't not yet developed a servant's heart. And we know this, we know that uh, Jesus was eventually able to get through to them because every one of his disciples, every one of them, besides the apostle John, every one of them gave their lives spreading the kingdom of God. And John died at an old age, and he experienced great hardship as well. But they all went off on their own and began to serve people and communities and nations just as they had witnessed Jesus serve people. Have you ever read about the life of Jesus? Do you read the Gospels? Like, do you notice that he's working with people all day, and he's tired, and people are still coming to his house at night with lines of people to pray for? You notice that Jesus doesn't say, you know, I'm... I've given about all I can today. Could y'all come back tomorrow morning? Jesus never did that. He, he was incredibly focused on serving people, on helping people, and about the welfare of people. So whoever wants to become great, whoever wants to be truly successful in life, you have to learn how to become a servant first. Now, let, let's take a moment for self-reflection. I'm going to ask that you just be totally transparent with yourself. That's scary, Terry. Yeah, it is, but it really gives you some answers in life. It really will answer some questions. So I'm going to ask a question. How do you think that we are doing today as a Christian community and as the church of Jesus Christ? How do you, how do you think that we're doing How do you think that you're doing? I mean, if you just get in front of that mirror, 
people ask me, Terry, how do you know what to preach on every week? It's so effective. I'm like, yeah, I look in the mirror. I was like, man, you got problems, man. It's what, we, it's what I need. Preach to myself first. But if you look in the mirror and, and, and you look at the reflection, do you like what you really see? And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about the idea of servitude and serving. Do you like what you see? And the bigger question that, you know, we fool ourselves sometimes, does Jesus like what he sees? Does he, like what he, does he like what he sees? And, you know, if you look at how you spend your time and how you spend your money and how you spend the abilities that God gave to you, do you feel good about the results? I mean, look at your calendar, you know? If it's all about you and your kids and this and that and the other and things you have to go and be, and there's never any time carved out just to give of yourself. Listen, serving is when you help somebody who can't help you. That's what servanthood is. Servanthood is not helping somebody and then they'd help you do. Serving is when you help somebody that's down and out. You help somebody that can't be helped and you do that just to demonstrate the love of Jesus. And, and so do you serve others or do you serve yourself? We all serve somebody. It got really quiet in here. Maybe I should call the babies back up. That went really well. Sometimes we have to take a hit to our flesh to get where we want to be. And, uh, you know, personally, my, my opinion is I don't think we're doing so well. I mean, some, some people are. Some people are real servants. But I don't, in my in, in my in my opinion as a pastor, I don't think that the majority of Christians have developed a servant's heart. I, I, I don't see it. And let me, let me tell you a little story about our church. So God called my family and I 19 years ago, it's been 19 years ago, that we started this church in our home with, I don't know, four or five people. And, um, you know, what I, what I noticed is when we were small, and again, this is 19 years ago, so society has changed a lot in 19 years, right? And But, our, but you know, we were small, and we had, we had 30 people, but we had 30 people there every Sunday, 30 people served, 30 people gave. I mean, it was, then you get to 50, it's about the same, then you get to 100, and still a majority of people served in things. But as the church, as we continued to increase, and as, see, what I think's happened is, over the last 20 years, culture is now influencing the church more than the church is influencing culture. I mean, that's not even up for debate. I mean, I, I would debate with you, but that, I mean, just look at what's happening. The church is not influencing culture like it used to. The culture is influencing church, and our, our culture is all about ourselves. About It's such a lie of the devil that if you do what you want to do, you'll be happy. You won't. You won't. I can give you as much money as you want. I, I mean, it, it, this is terrible, but twice, two times this past week, we saw people who had everything in the physical stance that they committed suicide. Listen, all the money in the world can't fill the void in your life. All the success, all the fame cannot fill that in your life. It's all about Jesus, him serving us, and then as Jesus is in us, we start serving other people. I mean, that, that's, what, that's what fills the void. But I, re I, really started, I really started to notice about two years ago 
two or three years ago. And as a matter of fact, one of our deacons came up to me and said, man, there's a slippage in church. He's like, people aren't volunteering like they used to. And so over the last two years, what, what's happened is, I, I find that a lot of people, they'll just come whenever it's convenient. But they don't want to get involved. They don't, they don't, they don't want to serve. And what we do here at Family Life is, is if all of our members serve, you just serve once a month. That's, that's a pretty good deal. You serve once, you do that, then you can attend other times. And, and I, I, I really started thinking about this. I'm, I'm just having a transparent moment with you. And listen, I got before God, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'm the problem. I, I said, man, you know, maybe, maybe I've been leading Family Life for so long. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe family life needs a new voice. I mean, maybe, maybe there is, I mean, it, maybe the problem is with me. And I really started seeking God because I want family life to do what God has called us to do. And if I ever get in the way, I'll step, gladly step aside and let someone else come in. It's not a problem. But I started, I started really praying and I started talking with other pastors and talking to other people. And every pastor I talk to, every pastor in this area that I talk to, they're all having the same problem. Every one of them. And what the, the quote that I kept getting was, was this, basically, people just don't feel the need to serve anymore. That, that, that's, that's what I got. People just don't feel the need. Uh, I, have, there's, I have one friend of mine who's a pastor, and his church has several thousand people. He said, Terry, we're short 300 volunteers. 300. We just have to hire people because we can't get people to serve. We put stuff on screen. We, we, we beg people to serve. We, we can't get people to serve. And so, in my opinion, in my opinion, the problem is simply that the church is that Christians have, we have not developed the servant's attitude like we used to, like, like used to be, used to have. And there, there's many reasons. I mean, let, let's be honest. We're busier today than we've ever been. That's a good excuse. Um, probably most of you could cancel 30% of what you do and it wouldn't, it wouldn't amount to anything. You're doing so much stuff and a lot of it's not important. And if, if you're doing a bunch of stuff, you don't have time to do, to do different things. And uh, so in my opinion, I, I believe it's just a mindset that's infiltrated the church, the Christian community, from our culture. And, you know, everyone's starting to focus on themselves, and they don't have time to think about other people. Let me tell you a story. The day, the day that I learned what being a servant was, I was 18 years old. I was in El Paso. I was in boot camp at the United States Army. It's August. It is 110 degrees. It is so hot that to do push-ups, you had to put gloves on so your hands didn't get second-degree burns. I mean, it just, have you ever been to El Paso? Any of you ever been there? It is hot, bro. It is hot, man. And anyway, merciless. So my, our drill sergeant called all of us out, and we had this major come up, and he was asking, he, was at, he asked all of us, there's 105 people. He, he needed seven volunteers. Well, the problem was that we'd just been getting killed, and we finally had like an hour off to write our parents' letters, our friends' letters, to tell them we were still alive. And now they're asking for volunteers. And on top of all that, we weren't sure what, they, what the volunteer situation was. They didn't tell us what we were going to do. 
And so no one raised their hand. No one out of 105 people raised their hand. And uh, so the drill sergeant told the major to go wait in the drill sergeant room in there. And when, I'm going to have to be careful when I tell this story because I don't want to tell it like the drill sergeant did. It would be more effective if I did, I just wouldn't have a job, okay? So anyway, the gesture was this. Guys, I've never been so embarrassed and humiliated in my whole life. My boss just came out here and asked for seven volunteers, and you all just sat there because you're selfish and lazy. He said, Private, why'd you join the army? And this little kid says, To serve my country. You are a liar and a fraud. Get down. You don't want to serve anyone. All of you said you joined up to, to serve our country. You don't even want to serve one guy for 10 minutes. He says, As a matter of fact, all of you get down. And we did push-ups in the El Paso sun for about 45 minutes. And all the while, he's walking up and down screaming at us. Profanities were useless, were pathetic. I mean, I was agreeing with everything, but my gosh, have some mercy. And you know, you think about this. Do you know how long it is to be in a push-up position for 45 minutes? As a matter of fact, if there's anyone here today, right now, that can do push-ups for five minutes while I'm speaking. Come up right here. I'll give you $100. $100 if you do push-ups for five minutes without, without staying on the ground. Anyone? Is that a hand back there? Yeah, that hand went down, didn't it? But, I mean, it was so hot that you couldn't lay on the ground. So when he turned his head, you lay on the ground, and you're burning. It's like, oh, man, it was terrible. Well, of course, he brought the major back out. And he said, sir, I think we've had a change of hearts. <laughs> and, and the major said, could I get a, anything for the love of God? Get me away from this crazy man. But see, we're all, think, we're all thinking we're special that we joined the United States Army to serve people, and we didn't even want to give 10 minutes of our free time. Come on now. He was right. We, 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 were, we were fraudulent. So let's talk about this. A servant, there's four things about a servant, or three things. A servant takes action to help others. How many times as Christians do we hear about someone who needs our help and we sit on the sidelines? You know, you know what makes me mad when someone knows I need something and they say, well, I'm going to pray for you. Never mind. Never mind. Let me tell you something as a Christian. Prayer is so important, and I, I, most probably most of us should spend more time praying and getting the heart of God. But there are a lot of things in life that you don't need to pray about. There's a single mother in need. There's someone, a friend needs help. You don't need to pray about that. You just, you just need to do something. So a servant takes action. You know, if uh, they give their time, talents, and resources to make a difference, a servant makes personal sacrifices to help others. And when you make a sacrifice to serve someone else, that is a direct blow to your flesh. And now you are closer to the Lord as long as you keep a good attitude uh, while you're doing that. I was, um, we, we, have, we had a teenage girl in the church, and um, she works in the children's ministry, and she just loves it. And, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a day, and don't get me wrong, we have a lot of volunteers at Family Life. We have a lot of volunteers 
but not as many as we need. And this young girl walks in, and she's dressed all nice, and she has a family life shirt over her shoulder. And I said, what's that for? She's like, oh, I bring it every week just in case someone doesn't show up and I need, I need to help. God, forgive us. A student is out serving adults. We got to set the example, church. Parents, we got to set the examples. If you want your kids to serve, you've got to serve. Take them with you. They're not going to enjoy it, but just take them anyway. They've got to learn. Learn how to do it. Big mistake, parents. Only doing what your kids want to do. That's a bad mistake right there. Second thing is the servant is motivated by love. So why do we want to place other people before us? Why do we want to serve? Why do we want to help? Why? Out of love. Out of love. And what I want to say is you can't serve other people if you love yourself more than them. See, it's a battle with this. Am I going to put other people for? And I'm not telling you to neglect your home. I'm not telling you to, uh, you know, to uh, neglect your family. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, I, had a, I had a marriage counseling situation one day. And the husband and wife came in. And, man, she, this lady was hot. She was hot, man. I'm like, uh-oh. I'm like, bro, what'd you do? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I said, well, she's fixing to tell you. And she says, so my husband comes home from work, and he tells me how tired he is, and so he just sits down and watches TV. The neighbor next door, a pretty little girl, come knock on the door and says, I need help. He ran up there and went over and helped her. So what I wanted to say was, would you please not involve me in your sins? Just don't, bro, don't, you know, anyway. Well, I mean, that doesn't go so well. So you don't neglect your family. You serve, you serve them too. But a servant is motivated by love. And a servant, a servant performs tasks that are beneath them. See, as we go in life, we think that some things are below us. I'm going I'm to tell you something right now. Uh, I think that the, the number one reason that sometimes we see pastors get in a bad position and embarrass themselves publicly is because God has blessed their ministry, but now there's things beneath them. They don't serve anymore. They don't serve. And I'm always conscious to do things. If restroom, I mean, Wednesday night we had our service. We had a great win. If you, if you haven't come to the first Wednesday service, man, those things are really, really good. You know, I cleaned the restrooms before. I didn't want to pay to have the clean crew come in. I, I went and cleaned the restrooms. If, so, ladies, if it wasn't as clean as normal, it's my fault. But I tried. I tried. So a servant performs tasks that are, that, are, that are beneath them, and a servant asks the right questions. I had a person come to me one day. I was, telling, I was telling some young people, when you start your job, do things that are needed. And I had a, had a young man come. He said, Pastor, I started this job, but I don't see how I can stand out. There's no, there's no thing to do. And I'm like, well, you're not asking the right questions. Well, what, what questions do I ask? He said, well, you know, it, it's uh, basically something like this. You ask your boss, is there anything that I can do to help? Is there anything I can do to help? What needs to be done? How can I, uh, how can I help? What can be done to make things run smoother? See, a, a servant doesn't just do their job. They look for ways to add value to everybody. 
I mean, this is, this is just simple stuff that we don't, we don't think about. Well, listen, one of, the, one of the greatest benefits of being part of a local church, you know, one of the people say, well, why should I go to church? I say, well, one of the greatest things is it gives you opportunities to serve in different areas that you wouldn't have before. It gives you opportunities, uh, to, you know, to serve. It provides an avenue for you to serve in different areas, you know, ushering, greeting, children, youth, music, parking lot, cafe, life center, small group leader. And uh, I, I want to say this, you know, honestly, family life, we're, we're, we're short right now on some of our volunteers, but we shouldn't be. We have plenty of people in this church. We have plenty of people. We just don't have everyone contributing and taking ownership, uh, you know, in, in the church. For some reason, a lot of people choose to sit on the, the sidelines. So we, we put on the screen here this morning that we're having a growth track in three weeks. Our growth track is our membership class. It's how you find out about family life. It's how you, how you join a serve team. We have all kinds of different serve teams. And, you know, you say, well, Terry, I have to do that before I can serve. And, and the answer is yes. But you know why? We have a lost little girl up here. Would parents wave to her? I think she's scared. Look at that. That's a servant right there, just taking her to her mom. The little girl said, why, why, why didn't the lady serve? Why didn't the lady serve? You got this man taking me. But let me, let me tell you something, just real quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in about two minutes. But here's the thing. You know what I found? We used to let people just start serving without taking the membership class. But you know what I found? Is that they don't, they don't, if they don't have the initiative to at least go to a little three-week class to find out about our church, they'll just no-show us. You imagine that? You, you, you sign up to volunteer in church and then you no-show? That's not good. That's not good. You no-show no show Jesus. Uh, so there's a sign-up for that out there. And, man, I, I really hope that some of, you have been, some of you have been coming for weeks and months and years and you've never served at all. We have all kind of opportunities. Uh, some require work. Some require nothing except a smile. You know, so we have all kind of ways to serve. So that's the way to do that, the grow track out there. Let me tell you another thing, too. We have, um, we have, we have a situation in our church right now that uh, we have a single mother. Her name is Tonda Pierre, and uh, she's been battling cancer for about a year, and so she's, she's very weak, and the church has been helping out, but honestly, we're not getting enough help to help her. And I mean, right now, we're, we're helping her. We're helping her pack up her house to sell. We're driving her kids to, to you know, summer camp because she's just not able to do that right now. And so I... As a matter of fact, this coming Tuesday, the youth are going to go to her house and pack up her house, mow her yard. If, if you want your kids to, to be a part of that, uh, just put your email in the offering box. But we have a sign-up out there on the Life Center uh, to, to serve a single mom who's struggling with cancer. You know, I'm going to be honest with you today. There should not be a blank left out there. There should not be a blank left in so if you'll put your name out on, on there in your email, we'll email about different, because we know, we know that you work and we'll have crews going at different times and doing things. But what I, what I want to say is the heart of God is when we serve each other and through the church we serve the community. Do you, let, me, let me tell you, Jesus, 
left the church to do his work. The church was supposed to influence the community. Do you know that way, way back when uh, used to the federal government was not involved in, in uh, how do I want to say this, in the distribution of food and welfare and stuff like that, used to the church took care of all of that. If you go back to the first of our, of, of our church starting, even in our country, the church took care of all of that. But as the church uh, began to lose its power, and, and as the church, you know, fewer people give, they weren't able to do that. The federal government took over what the church should be doing. Now, who would do a better job, a local church in a community who knows people in the area? I mean, it's not the federal government's fault. I mean, there's just, when you have, the federal government can't be a, a mom. They don't know everybody, you know. So anyway, I'm just thinking. So let's, let's close this down. If we want to become successful, we have to become a servant. It's the secret ingredient to living a successful life. Would you bow your heads for me? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. And as you bow your head, I hope that you heard my heart this morning. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not frustrating anybody. I'm not trying to browbeat anybody. I'm just, I'm trying to, to use the words of Jesus. If you want to become great, if you want to be successful, we have to develop the heart of a servant. We have to quit looking only at ourselves and, and really begin to look at who needs our help. Who can we serve? What can we do to, to be a blessing to people? Would you just take a moment just to, just to reflect on your own life and your heart?